day, evening, night, or whenever you might be listening across all of time, space, wavelengths, frequencies, and dimensions to the Mental Pop Podcast brought to you by Primordial Productions. My name is Mad, and I'll be your host today along with our producer, Alberta G. Rhythm, who is in studio today. If you enjoy today's episode, uh, you can find many more over at our website, www.mentalpop.space. And you can also find me at MentalPop31 on Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. I hope everybody's doing well out there today, and let's get right into some recent news of the week. First off, in recent days, we had um, some notable deaths. The first came with prolific and well-respected horror and fantasy writer Peter Straub. And I'll go on record yet again on this podcast and state that a ghost story by Peter Straub is in my top three novels uh, that involve hauntings or haunted houses. And we went into great detail on this uh, last year in a six-hour episode dedicated to the history of horror. Um, But with works such as Ghost Story, Shadowland, Julia, Coco, Floating Dragon, as well as The Talisman and Black House with Stephen King and many others, uh, Straub was considered a literary master. Uh, The third part in the Jack Sawyer trilogy was due out soon, probably to coincide with the new Talisman miniseries that is going to appear on Netflix, uh, directed by the Duffer brothers, who also do Stranger Things. And it's sad and unfortunate that Straub uh, didn't live to see the completion of this trilogy with Stephen King or the upcoming Netflix adaptation. All we can fittingly say here is that Peter Straub uh, left an indelible mark on the genre of horror fiction over the past five decades, and he will be missed. And in much bigger global news, we had the death of Queen Elizabeth, who was 96 years old, had sat on the royal throne for the past 70 years, had met with the past 14 U.S. presidents over the course of her lifetime. Now, I'm not going to say anything ill of the dead here or make this conspiratorial, but by many accounts, Queen Elizabeth was perhaps the largest owner of land on the planet as well as one of the wealthiest, so we can only wonder how this vacuum will be filled and how this might further play into the globalization plans of the New World Order, of which uh, Prince Charles, I guess now King Charles, has been a vocal proponent and endorser in favor of the New World Order and the so-called Great Reset. What else has happened recently? Well, President Biden gave a Hitler rally in front of an eerie and ominous red lighting where he likened some 74 million Trump-voting Americans as domestic terrorists and a threat to our democracy, while further trying to wedge a divide between Americans for political gain. He then, of course, does what Biden and his administration does best, and they backpedaled, backtracked the very next day, said that Trump supporters were not extremists and a threat to the country. And anybody who knows me or has listened to this show also knows that I am not a Trump supporter, definitely not MAGA, and I'm definitely not a Biden supporter either. I guess I consider myself, if I had to, I guess I would consider myself a, a libertarian. Uh, if I just had to label myself that way for people to understand where I'm coming from. With all that being said, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm a pseudo-libertarian. If I'm forced to pick a side, I'm definitely not a Biden supporter either. Well, we can only look at two years into Biden's presidency here. Let's look into that for a moment, shall we? What has the man actually accomplished according to what he said he was going to accomplish when he was running for the presidency? Pretty much the only thing Biden has consistently accomplished is in bringing up Donald Trump at every opportunity, and how those extremist MAGA Republicans are extremists and white supremacists, they're going to destroy our country, and how they are fighting for the soul of America. Pretty much Biden's only accomplishment has been to fuel division, despite his commitment 
uh, during his run for the presidency that he would be a president of all Americans, regardless of who they voted for, and he would fight to unite us. Yes, he's pretty much done and accomplished the opposite of everything he said he was going to do. And you can almost say that about every president uh, in some form or fashion. But Biden has failed so spectacularly that it's impossible not to notice. And I would say at least half of the people that voted for Biden, uh, the supposed uh, 81 million Americans, uh, <laughs> supposedly that voted for Biden, they're having some pretty strong buyer's remorse right about now. And even the media that propped him up isn't able to ignore all of his blunders. I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to attack Biden or to attack Trump, but to step back from a different perspective and note how utterly sad and pitiful it is that we're here in the, we're here in the year 2022 and the options of candidates um, is so abysmally terrible. This is the best they've got to offer, folks. And it's all they think that we deserve. And until we start putting term limits on career politicians and age limits on running for high public office or holding positions of power in high-ranking offices, and until we demand and expect better, we're just going to keep getting more and more of the same. And I got to say this, in the past in the past couple years, one thing that I have noticed about voters, whether they be Democrat or Republican, is that a lot of them agree on the issue of term limits. And even that maybe there should be age limits on holding certain roles in office. I'm not being ageist here or discriminatory towards the elderly, but it's kind of like, a, would you rather have a 40-year-old brain surgeon or an 80-year-old brain surgeon? Air traffic controllers have to retire by the age of 56. Airline pilots are forced into retirement at the age of 65. Judges have to retire by the age of 70. There are other professions that have a mandatory retirement age. So why and how do we allow 75 and 80-year-old people in Congress and Senate who have already been there 25 or 40 or 50 years to remain in office? And unless you're professional wrestler Ric Flair, most professional athletes know when they've had enough and are past their prime and they just can't play the game like they used to or play the game at all. They know when it's time to hang it up and retire. Yet in 2024, in the 2024 election, we're likely going to have two major contenders that are going to be like 77 and 81 years old at the time. We are voting in people who are not even sure they're going to live through another term. Why is that? Because they have the best ideas? Or is it because this is all we're being offered? And the media tries to make us think these are the most viable options that we have. Until we demand better, not only our politicians and representatives uh, demand better of ourselves, we're going to keep getting more of the same bunch of manipulative and opportunistic uh, sad sacks that they keep forcing on us as some kind of savior figure. Reminds me of a CBS News article that I actually saw earlier today. It said majority of elderly Americans believe that there should be term limits and age limits on politicians. Go figure. Ugh, these fucking people. Am I right? What's up with all these goddamn inconsiderate self-absorbed dummies? Everywhere you go. At least three total dumbasses and one complete asshole. Jerks and downright fuckfaces. Bleathering idiots. Meanies. Nincompoops. Clowns. Fools. Ignoramuses. Dean bulbs. Pea brains and inbreds. Total cunts. Terrible pieces of shit around every corner. 
irredeemable garbage and excrement to be flushed. Egotistical narcissists and deranged sociopaths. Lowest common denominator herd. Devolved gene pool. That's why this November you should vote for me, Jeffrey Stevens, to reinstate eugenics laws and cultivate genetic superiority. I'm Jeffrey Stevens, and I approve this message. This message was paid for by the friends of Jeffrey Stevens. And other current news of the day, uh, of course, the 21st anniversary of the events of 9-11, Uh, September 11th, 2001 are upon us. We were told to never forget, and we shouldn't ever forget. Shouldn't ever stop asking questions about everything involving the events of 9-11, both preceding that tragic day and proceeding the events with the war in Iraq, which killed over a million innocent Iraqi civilians, as well as thousands of U.S. soldiers and heavily contributed to the suicide rate of U.S. soldiers, inclining to staggering proportions over the past couple of decades. So many curious items from 9-11 paint a very suspicious picture of corresponding evidences such as bin Laden being a CIA asset, the Bush family and bin Laden family connections, military stand-downs, military war games on 9-11, no footage of a plane hitting the Pentagon, the pulling of Building 7, reports of controlled demolition and bombs going off, the big payday of Larry Silverstein who just recently bought the Twin Towers and had a huge insurance policy against terrorist attacks on the buildings. Donald Rumsfeld going on Meet the Press the day before the attacks and stating that trillions of dollars had gone missing from the Pentagon and couldn't be accounted for. The false claims of weapons of mass destruction. That was a pretext uh, used to invade Iraq and publicly execute Saddam Hussein. Old Dick Cheney and Halliburton and huge, huge military contracts. And let's not forget oil, oil, and uh, what's that third thing? Oh, yeah, oil. The Patriot Acts massively increased government surveillance on U.S. citizens, and on and on and on. But ladies and gentlemen, this 21st anniversary of 9-11, and how crazy it is to say that, the 21st anniversary of 9-11. I was 21 when 9-11 happened. Uh, Please allow me to read you a short little article that I wrote all the way back in 2007, uh, when we were back when we were on the sixth anniversary of the 9/11 attacks uh, in 2007, and the article itself is looking ahead to the ninth anniversary of the attacks, which would have been 2010, and kind of going into a weird, uh, kind of a weird full circle moment here for me, as I actually read this article back in 2007 when I was doing a little podcast about conspiracies and the New World Order all the way back then. So let's time travel back, me and you, and jump into the Wayback Machine for an article I wrote back in 2007 on the 6th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, imagining what things would be like in the future. It seems fitting uh, that I read this piece. Note that the more things change, the more they stay the same. So many of the things I wrote in this article 15 years ago now, uh, when I was a young man of the age of 27, they still resonate today. Uh, So here is a commemorative piece from 2007, entitled, If Six Was Nine. 
If the sun refused to shine, I don't mind, I don't mind. The mountains fell in the sea, let it be, it ain't me. Alright, cause I got my own world to look through and I ain't gonna copy you. Jimi Hendrix, if six was nine. As we enter the sixth year since the horrific attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon, many questions still linger. Drifting into the nostrils and stinging eyes of all good people who demand justice and closure, the nauseous fumes and smoldering debris is still fresh in the minds of a persistent public, understandably seeking answers to seemingly impossible realities. How could 19 Arabs with box cutters cause the greatest single American disaster in modern times, all choreographed by extremists living in the Middle East wearing turbans and doing their daily jihad exercises on monkey bars and children's playground equipment? What began in September 2001 as a media blitz of hijacked airplanes flying into buildings quickly became a convoluted mess of demolitions, military stand-downs, war games, prior knowledge, oil pipelines, unbelievable incompetence and lies, cover-up, the Patriot Acts, torture, interrogation, Butch and the Bin Laden family connections, hundreds of thousands of war casualties and billions of dollars spent with enough smoking guns to arguably shoot every single American squarely between the eyes with equal doses of fear and confusion. Throw in the project for a new American century, Cheney and Halliburton, the Carlisle Group with Israel, and dozens of international corporate interests, you've got a major clusterfuck of biblical proportions. Don't forget about global warming, Al Gore chimes in. Reflecting on the tragedy of September 11th and the years which have passed, the most expressive and fitting word which I can seem to come up with in my rather limited monkey vocabulary is this. Utter and total bullshit. The kind of bullshit that comes on so many levels you could build two more towers of manure as high as the World Trade Center and twice as wide. The kind of bullshit would comes in the Nazi-minded slogan of billions and billions served. Having been an active member of the truth movement for the past several years, and passing out DVDs, flyers, doing a net radio show, and regularly posting on various internet forums... I've recently become torn between wanting to stand up for the little guy and help topple the emerging fascism of this New World Order agenda, to growing utterly disgusted and appalled by some of the tactics I see being used by certain people, including the so-called leaders of this quote-unquote movement, on a daily basis. In a world where violent and sensational events like 9-11 can be perpetrated out in the open, happenings of fanaticism and government-sponsored terrorism, mass genocides, which occur, which occur like macabre clockwork, it would be utterly irresponsible and even stupid not to question all authority figures whether they, they come in the form of mainstream or the self-proclaimed alternative media. The people have been lied to, and more than enough, and it's unfortunate that the deeper we look into the alternative, the more we see that it is in fact surrounded by the same corporate infrastructure which is controlling mainstream media. More unfortunate still is that so many truthers seem willfully unaware of the actual scheme behind this whole concocted fantasy world which has been established in order to dominate our sensory perception. Despite the fact that a large majority of the truth movement is equally as repetitive and robotic as the nightly news, filled with just as much half-truths and deception, this is not meant to be a report of the failures of the 9-11 truth movement or a discouraging dismissal of the good work which has been done in the name of justice and peace, nor is this to assume that every person working the mainstream is somehow bad or evil or purposely trying to deceive the public. This short presentation is merely intended to express some of my personal perspective and opinions regarding the events of the past six years on both sides of the debate. 
I'll try to remain objective throughout. In specific, it seems there are three or four parties involved in this whole fiasco we called life in, rea- in relation to the New World Order agenda and globalist plan for a one-world government, religious, uh, and monetary system. The globalist takeover will be established both by consent as well as force, the situation being far more desperate than most people realize. While this is only a sketched outline, the groups are comprised of the following. Group 1. Everybody else. Here is arguably the largest component of the population consisting of individuals who don't really give a damn one way or the other. Sure, 9-11 was bad, but it could have been much worse. Maybe the United States government was involved. Maybe it wasn't. Who cares? It's not like this is the first time it's happened, nor will it be the last. As long as it doesn't take away from my paycheck and quality of life, as long as I have my TV and fast food, as long as I can support my family, I'm not really bothered about what's going on in the world. I couldn't change it even if I wanted to. In essence, this scenario is what the provocative comedian George Carlin once described as the NIMBY syndrome, not in my backyard. Unless it directly affects them, most people simply do not get involved with complex social issues without promise of reward, congratulations, or other ego-based motivations. In Carlin's case, the people wanted to build more prisons in order to take criminals off the streets as long as it wasn't in their own backyards. There are good and noble people in this category with a widely unique variety of motivations and personalities, but they are understandably confused by the complexity of historical situations, still not seeing how it directly affects their daily lives or well-being. Some are overcome by materialistic pleasures and oversimplified approach to life due by and large uh, to the way culture and society, specifically Western thought, has been programmed to the human psyche for thousands of years. The social engineers who have herded and fleeced us throughout the millennium have always done a very good job of maintaining control, even when casting their devious spells through riotous acts of controlled chaos for the sake of power, consolidation, and elitism. Some individuals within Group 1 might spend their entire lives in this self-erected box due to past emotional trauma or staunch selfishness, uh, causing their eyes to remain closed upon greater possibilities and potentials of human existence and future destiny. Smug cynicism and egotism gets in the way of any intellectual or spiritual awakening, and they live by the defeatist motto that one person can't possibly make a difference. Many of them have little or no intellectual ambitions and still are sitting on the fence of discovery or are waiting for the right moment to take action. Of course, this category is the most complicated of all the groups, and there are unique variations, both psychological and otherwise, to fill hundreds of books. The point of this brief summary is just to give a framework on this anniversary of the elaborately scripted and concocted 9-11 attacks, as well as how it has influenced our present culture. Group 2. The mainstream media. The second component is far more organized and manifests itself in the form of establishment media, basically including every mainstream news outlet and entertainment channel. By and large, this form of news, television, radio, print is controlled by government, political, and religious special interest groups with a corporate hierarchy who want anything but the real truth reaching the public unless the version of truth serves their ulterior agendas and corporate sponsors. This is a group responsible for nonstop blather about Paris Hilton's shaved vagina, record-breaking box office sales, Bill O'Reilly, Rush Limbaugh, Geraldo, American Idol, Clear Channel, Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, M. TV, AOL, Disney, Viacom, only wanting the truth so long as it fits in the guidelines of the FCC, ADL, IHS, and CIA. The goal is to make as much short-term profit as possible, having a long-term positive effect on sales revenue, while serving as the official spokesperson for the highest bidders. 
like farmers milking the cow of humanity, herding us as cattle or sheep, feeding us the corresponding diets for which they want our milk to produce. So too do they saturate the media with endless entertainment and trivial pursuits to keep the milk flowing, regardless of contamination, as the gears of society keep turning around and around. The mainstream media's role is to speak as a mouthpiece for establishment and consensus viewpoints, uh, produce surplus for their own organizations, and help fulfill the globalist agenda. Serving a long line of subordination as well-paid yes-men, media whores, and egomaniacs addicted to being famous. But simply put, many performers primarily seek to entertain us, take our minds off the problems of the world, and they are very talented at what they do. Since the advent of radio and television, the fine line between entertainment and brainwashing has become more and more blurred. Group 3. The Alternative Media the next group is perhaps the most suspicious and despicable because they hide behind the guise of being an underground or alternative version to the mainstream. There's a certain amount of legitimacy and freedom within this format, but like the mainstream, the agendas and deceptions eventually become visible the more you look into certain avenues. Sensationalist money-making tactics and promotional clicks quickly become evident with fake news being peddled as the secret on a regular basis. While there is a plethora of truth and insight within the alternative media, there is an equal amount of deception, false leads, egotism, and downright disinformation. The alternative media is not inherently to be trusted any more than the mainstream, and in many ways they are both equally misleading and dubious, with the same basic motives at hand. They serve as two sides of the same coin, just as Democrats and Republicans, and work in the basic motion of herd, fleece, herd, fleece, herd, and fleece. The usage of viral marketing makes this resource all the more dangerous, as Adolf Hitler only wishes he had access to the internet during World War II while recruiting the Nazi party and shaping public opinion. As with all of these groups, there is a large gray area, but be warned, many in, of the names in the truth movement are in fact surrounded by the same corporate entities which are running CNN or ABC, employees in the same marketing campaign over our perception of reality. Group 4. The truth movement. While I have admiration for many people in this movement and have had conversations, numerous conversations of a thought-provoking and mutually respectful nature over the years, there is a growing segment of this status quo which is inevitably causing more harm than good. Seemingly incapable of critical reasoning or original thought, these people merely latch onto the ideas in a bandwagon fashion, assimilating and repeating a never-ending stream of regurgitated news. Um, from their heroes, uh, repeating a stream of regurgitated news from their heroes in the alternative, uh, simultaneously living vicariously through the actions of others. In the same way, Group 1 might react to mainstream icons and authority figures, giving more credit than it is deserved, associating themselves with their idols. Likewise, they are prone to using slogans over and over, such as, Wake up! Inside job! And demolitions! While living their lives according to how they saw it in the Matrix films. Some of them are good people, if not annoying, but they are functioning with a one-track mind, looping the same few topics over and over again from the same small group of sources and calling everyone else a sheeple or a neocon who doesn't assimilate with all of their viewpoints and self-righteous standards. Those individuals who do agree with their belief systems are dubbed patriots and freedom fighters while constantly congratulating each other and giving pats on the back for sticking it to the man. Not to name names, but the less efficient group within the truth movement gathered behind the rallying cry of Alex Jones and Ron Paul and seem incapable of stringing two original thoughts together if you ever try to debate them on virtually any subject. 
Regardless of the fact that Inside Job is a very inadequate and simplified summary, and a large majority of truthers seem little more than trendy followers of a corporate-sponsored mass-market machine, see Cointelpro, Project Mockingbird, and Tavistock, I have respect for this group and still fight along with it, even if they don't want me there or realize that I'm on their side. If it can evolve past the automatic black and white mentality of mainstream equals bad and alternative equals good, then we might be able to work together in getting to a mutual understanding of the bigger puzzle, the complete picture, the actual truth. You can't help to grow more and more suspicious when a good chunk of the 9-11 truthers, both researchers and activists, are making everyone involved look ignorant and naive. While the approach to this is rather simplistic, especially when considering events and personalities on a worldwide scale, it serves as a basic uh, basis for highlighting a point. I don't mean to paint a picture of stereotypes, categorize, label, or marginalize the effects of their labor, uh, for I'm not so narrow-minded as to think that things are this cut and dry. If there is a simple conclusion to each of these groups, it is this. We are all human beings, worthy of dignity and compassion, all deserving a fair chance to make things right. Hatred only breeds hatred. Confusion breeds confusion. Fear breeds fear. And each of us has special talents that can make this world a better place if we'd simply apply ourselves and realize our sacred divinity. It's never too late to stand up and be heard, becoming leaders instead of followers. If we are blessed, when six years becomes nine, how might you view the world differently? Will we choose to evolve or stay stagnant in a landscape that someone else created for us? Like the frantic search for bodies hidden beneath the flaming wreckage, so too must we each find our most sincere and empowered identities. So yes, folks, I know the article I just read for you, it is old as hell now, uh, but a lot of it still holds true. And yes, that's right, I was doing conspiracy and New World Order-related podcasts and running a website called nwowatcher.com uh, 15 years ago. Actually, you know, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, so it's a big full circle moment for me in reading that particular article for you today on the 21st anniversary of 9-11. seemed important to put out a commemorative episode today. And I touched upon this a little bit last episode, but if you consider yourself one of the so-called woke crowd who believes that hologram planes were used on 9-11 or energy weapons or UFOs were sighted at the Twin Towers that day or whatever other wacky-ass shit, uh, you're part of the problem as to why actual credible people aren't taken seriously when trying to get to the truth of certain issues such as 9-11. Because you come in with muddy-ass, filthy feet and dirty the waters with far-fetched delusions that makes everyone who is actually looking for the truth have to try all that much more harder to be taken seriously or to get people's attention. And I'm not trying to get into that debate here today, uh, nor call anyone out. While I can be entertaining, it can be entertaining to some degree, I'm rather sick and tired of the more wild and outlandish fringe elements of so-called conspiracy theory. I'm not talking about, like, Bigfoot and cryptozoology and aliens, the Bermuda Triangle and stuff like that. I'm talking about when it directly goes to discredit people who are actually fighting for causes of social justice or exposing political and government corruption. I've always been convinced that since the start of the so-called uh, so-called conspiracy theories back in the 1960s and even back into World War II and before that, there's always been a government or media element at play 
uh, controlled opposition embedded within those movements. Uh, movements themselves are seeking truth, but the controlled opposition is trying to manipulate it all. Powers of B have always infiltrated and manipulated pretty much every social movement or truth-seeking movement there ever has been, at least in the 20th century, 21st century, with controlled opposition and social engineering and human psychology to influence the narrative for their own gain and benefit. Anyway, that's a long story and a whole different subject altogether. And as we close today's episode out, I'd also like to make the statement that we should question everything. We should be open to most all possibilities even if they seem wild. But again, we can't be so open-minded that our brains fall out. Drifting off into flat earth and outer space not existing or hologram planes or even to literally believe that the elite are all blood-drinking reptilian shapeshifters from another planet or dimension. Can we look at that symbolically and allegorically and say that it has merit? That the idea that the super elite are blood-drinking reptilian shapeshifters I think, yes, that we could say that symbolically and allegorically that idea has merit and is definitely worth consideration. But when you take it literally, that's where writers and people like David Icke really screwed up, in my opinion. He believed what he was saying and that it was all literal, and he believed it 100%. Had he left it open to more allegorical and symbolic historical interpretations, I think his works would have been a lot more powerful. I kind of stopped paying too much attention to David Icke after Tales from the Time Loop, because you came to realize uh, you came to realize that a good eighty percent of the material of his previous four books had all been rehashing and regurgitating the exact same ideas over and over, just repackaged with a new cover and a new title uh, as a money making scheme in a lot of ways. Anyway, I'm kind of rambling now, trying to get these episodes oh thirty to forty minutes tops if possible. So we're going to close the show out today. And I'll say thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll check out all of our previous episodes. I think there's like 20 of them over there uh, from the past year, 20 or so, maybe more. And uh, started these in what's uh, February of 2021. So uh, about a year and a half, we've had 20 plus episodes. And you can check them all out at www.mentalpop.space. That's www.mentalpop.space. I've also got a blog over there. I'm really trying to make an effort to get more motivated, post something at least once a week. Uh, but it's been a little slow going, getting some things off the ground. Been writing a lot uh, lately uh, for my 365 uh, short story challenge. And I'm now on micro story flash fiction tale 266 out of 365. Uh, so that's been keeping me a little busy. I started that uh, back up in February, and I've written 165 little short stories. Uh, what, the past six, seven months? So that ain't bad. I've also been getting back into painting and making art again. You can find all of my art uh, at my Instagram page at mentalpop underscore 31. That's the Instagram page or my official art page at www.geneticmemory.online. You can purchase some of my art there if you're feeling so inclined to be supportive and have some cool art hanging on your walls there, folks. You can find me on Facebook at MentalPop31. And my God, why oh why, I'm even on TikTok at MentalPop31. And why am I on TikTok, you might ask. That's, that's a very good question, folks. I'm still trying to figure it out for myself. So why not go follow me on TikTok? If you're on there, say hello. 
leave me a message all across social media. You can connect, say hello, give me show suggestions and ideas, feedback. Um, there's topics you'd like to hear in future episodes. I'd love to hear them. Opinions on previous episodes. If you're a mu- musician or a band that would like your music featured, please hit me up. I'd love to play some independent artists, some independent music on this show, on this show in future episodes. You can leave me a voice message at mentalpop.space, which I might play on a future episode. And send me an email, if that's your cup of tea, at mad247 at weirdness.com. That's M-A-D, the number is 247 at weirdness.com. I think that's going to about do it for today's episode. I'll be back in the next month or so with another episode. If you have any ideas on topics you'd like to hear covered, shoot me a message. Once again, I'd love to hear from you. I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate the support. The 10 people that listen to this show on a semi-regular basis, thank you for listening. Hopefully we can get this to, oh, 15 people by the end of the year. Wouldn't that be just so swell? So until next time, my name is Mad Michael A. Dyer. This has been the Mental Pop Podcast brought to you by Primordial Productions. Until next time, keep seeking the truth. Don't be afraid to speak up and speak out. Speak your mind. Live your truth. And peace profound. Peace profound.